Hello everybody, Pastor Paul here on a Monday morning. It is March 29th, 2021, Holy Week. Glad that you've joined us. Just a, a fair warning, the, the birds are extra loud this morning, but they're making a melodious tune over the Word of God um, as, we're, as we're gathering here together. We are in Exodus chapter 24 as we make our trek through this book. Uh, a short little passage this morning that introduces uh, or, con or, or confronts us with um, a pretty big theological topic um, or issue that's very relevant to us. So let me read um, Exodus 24, 12 through the end of the chapter. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. All right, so so the facts of this passage are, are simply these. This is right after the covenant meal where God had consecrated his covenant with the people of Israel through the elders and Moses. Well, now God is calling Moses and Moses alone to go up to the top of the mountain, where it seems that sort of the supreme glory of God is dwelling and is being revealed. And it does say that Moses gets to take Joshua. Now, the significance of that, I think, is twofold. Number one, it reminds us that no leader is permanent, right? every leader their ministry is temporal um and and only for a limited amount of time of course that's the case with any of the roles of leadership whether it's church home family work um with our children it's always temporary right and here um god is preparing the people of Israel for the fact that one day Joshua will succeed Moses. And so Joshua is there uh, learning at the feet of Moses. We also th believe Joshua is there probably because he's recording all of this. He's writing down the law that God has given uh, the people of Israel. Now we know the Ten Commandments was written by the finger of God himself on the tablets of stone, but all these other instructions that are to follow about the Ark of the Covenant and the table for the bread and the tabernacle were probably all being written down by Joshua. And so here we see this idea that even, okay, as Moses is going to the top of the mountain, that the, 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 the glory of God and God himself, his access is very limited, okay? And any access the people of God have comes through this mediator, comes through Moses himself. And when we read um, the description of what it was like in the very presence and holiness of God on the top of that mountain, the people would not have wanted to go up there anyway, right? Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a terrifying thing in, certain, in many ways. The cloud covers the mountain. It says that uh, the appearance of the Lord was like a devouring fire, right? 
You have all this smoke and clouds and, and stuff going up. Very terrifying. But it says that Moses is called out and goes right into the midst of it. Now, it says that um, he has to wait six days. It says the cloud covered it six days. And then on the seventh day, Moses was called into the cloud. Now, this is probably, you know, pointing us to the fact that at creation, God had revealed himself as the sovereign author of all life, right? And just as God was creating physical life at the creation, okay, of humanity, now, as he's making this covenant with Israel, he's creating spiritual life, okay? And I think this, this, this would not have been lost on Moses and the people of Israel. God is doing this work for six days, and as he is finishing this work, he is calling the people into, into his presence, right, to rest in him on this seventh day. Now, one of the things, because this is, this is such a tough passage for postmodern thinkers, right, and, and even believers, um, we, we can tend to do things that, with this passage, that I think are pretty theologically destructive, okay? Um, and and, and w- one of the primary things we, want, we, we, we try to say to explain passages like this, well, well, Pastor Paul, this is just, you know, Moses, the Israelites, this is just their ancient, um, you know, 2,500-year-old conceptualization of who God is, right? Um, they're just using terms that were culturally appropriated, that were common to the other religions. But we know God is not like this anymore. God is God's a spiritual being, sure, but just all this smoke and holiness and fire, um, you know. And plus, we have Jesus now, and and Jesus is kind of he's the God of the New Testament. He's replaced this this kind of angry, uh, holy God of the Old Testament. And, and one of the the dangers that we run into with this is that we make God, um, or who God is, or who we think God is, contingent upon our emotions, our thoughts, okay, our conceptualizations, versus who he's truly revealed himself to be. And, and we, this is really important because James, and flip over to James if you have your Bibles, I know you do. In James chapter 1, remember James draws richly on much of the Old Testament, right? Um James has a word about this, okay? James 1.16, Do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So do, 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 do you see, that, well, by the way, that's where... Uh, that very famous hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, right? There is no shadow of turning with thee. It comes right from this passage. What James is telling us is God doesn't change. Um, there is no variation in him. Um, theologians call this the doctrine of immutability, right? That God does not morph and change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It also speaks to the impassibility of God. What does that mean? It means that God does does not have emotions in the same way or they're not um, they're not constituted in the same ways ours are which are up and down which are dictated upon circumstance um, you know w- we think about the ancient gods um, of mythology whose emotional states were very capricious up and down they were unpredictable and so the doctrines of immutability impassibility really speak against this and say that God is the same. He never changes. 
So what does this mean for us right here, right now? Well, we can be assured, number one, God hasn't changed. The, the God that is revealed here is not the Old Testament God. The God that's revealed here is the God, the one true God. He still dwells in unapproachable light. He still dwells in holiness. Um, he still requires a mediator for us to relate and to know him. What is not, so, so none of those things have changed. What's now we come to understand in a, in a fuller way, okay, um, are other attributes of God um, that are ours through Jesus Christ. His mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. All the while with God not ceasing to be just and wrathful and holy. And we have to hold on to both of those things or we don't see God for who he truly is. We don't worship him for who he truly is. And, and it, is, it is true simultaneously that God is holy, glorious, and dwelling in unapproachable light. But we now have access to that God okay, through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why as we're walking through the rest of Exodus, we're going to be constantly okay, flipping over, particularly to the book of Hebrews, which talks about the idea that Jesus Christ is not a new kind of God or doesn't replace the old God, but he is God. Um, he is just now giving us the fullest access possible to him through his death and his resurrection. It's not that we don't need a mediator. It's not that we don't need sacrifices. It's not that we don't need a way to approach his holiness. We do just as much as the people of Israel did. It just now is ours in Jesus. So one of the things I would encourage you to do um, as we're walking through Exodus is, is walk through Hebrews simultaneously in your own personal devotions. Um, it will give you a greater sense and appreciation of all these things we're going to be talking about, about the Ark of the Covenant and the table for the bread and uh, the different kinds of sacrifices and the priest's garment. And, and it's a little obscure and obtuse to us until we see, right, that they tell us very, very important things about God. Okay, so that's our little theological lesson for the day. Um, tomorrow, we're going to be in Exodus 25, um, where God begins to give instructions for how his sanctuary tabernacle is to be built. And as we're going to see, there's an important theological uh, truth or revelation of who God is in every aspect of what God tells the people of Israel to do. So read your, read your, read, read your Hebrews, and um, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. And remember, whatever's going on in your life, right, God has not changed. You may change. The people around you may change. Your circumstances may change. God does not change. And he is for you through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would write these truths upon our heart today. Go before us now um, in the confidence that you do not change. Lord, we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.